Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey, Jets fans, welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. For those of you who are new, welcome here. It's Liz, one of your hosts, and I am joined by Brian, Daniel, and Justin. Justin, is this your first episode on the actual podcast? It is my very first. I've done one post game, uh, and it was a 7 1 loss to Montreal. So, uh, so you're back. But now I'm on the main episode here. Yeah. Super You've well been promoted. Well. We called them up. Yeah, yeah, from the minors. <laughs> All that from the NHL. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, so right now where we're at, the Jets have played 28 games. So this is our mid-season kind of roundtable where we're going to talk about sort of what we've seen so far this season in this division with our team, what we expect to see coming up, sort of the grievances, the exciting surprises we've seen, all that good stuff. Just kind of put it all out there chat about everything we haven't done one of these in a while our most recent episodes were some stuff about contracts that the Jets and the Thrashers have signed and some interviews that we've done with Garrett Hole and um, Marat and a couple of other Sportsnet guys so it was a super fun um, last couple of episodes but this is really fun to get back out here and do some more of the conversation type stuff um, currently where we're at with the Jets like I said playing 28 games they are 17 nine and two so that means they have 36 points which is tied um with the oilers who are in third but the oilers have three games on us so we have three games in hand on them and we have two games in hand on the leader of the division which is the toronto maple leafs and we are four points behind them so that's enough out of me um brian why don't you just kind of get us started with some thoughts on the season so far sure i guess a lot of good a lot of bad right so I guess I'll start with the good, which to me is lately you've got a lot more defensemen getting into the play, which to me is absolutely paramount for this offense, right? So early on in the season, and even like as late as 10 games ago, it was an absolute nightmare in the offensive zone because you've got constantly three forwards playing against, you know, five uh, five opponents and the D just aren't getting involved at all. I really like how the D have sort of stepped up offensively as a whole. Um, obviously there's a lot of room for improvement, but that's my biggest positive take um, negatively. Obviously the defensive coverage, not good at this point. Uh, there's still a number of lapses defensively Um Josh Morrissey obviously is having a really rough season. Uh, so those maybe are some of the negatives for me. Um, but overall, lately, I think there's a lot to build off of. Would you guys agree? Yeah, for sure. And I actually like kind of the direction you went with the positive and negative. I'll quickly jump in. Um, negative for me has been um, some of our the defensive liability of our forwards and the fact that um, normally I can excuse poor defensive play by forwards if they're scoring a bunch and they're kind of not. So I get frustrated with that. And my biggest positive has been the emergence of the scoring touch of Nikolai Ehlers and the defensive powerhouse of Neil Pionk. So those are some, and obviously Hellebuck being able to continue what he did last year. Those are my big positives. I don't know if Justin, you want to jump on with your negatives and positives. Um, sure. Well, I think for me, the biggest positive is uh, coming in when I heard about the Canadian division and whatnot. I didn't really have any like hope or prayer that the Jets would be sitting in second place, right? I thought they'd be battling right around the playoff line for uh, for most of the time. So, I mean, it's it's really good and uh, to see them, you know, sort of uh, 
outperform what I expected from them in that regard. And, uh, you know, like you said, I think uh, I didn't see this coming from uh, Neil Pionk either. I think he's kind of developed and taken charge into that uh, the team's best defenseman. So um, that's a nice positive for me. Um, I think some of the negatives, I think you can still have some issues with some of the deployment of some of the players. I think, you know, Nate Thompson maybe taking up some minutes from a guy like Jansen Harkins or uh, Gustafson or Veselainen. And then, of course, uh, no Hanela or, or Sandberg yet. But uh, for the most part, I think uh, things have been pretty positive for me. I didn't really see the Jets uh, starting out this well. And, uh, you know, they're right up there with uh, Toronto and Edmonton and they have a chance to maybe win a playoff round. So I'm pretty positive so far for me. Nice. That's good. Daniel? Yeah. Um games this year which is something that I haven't done actually over the past few seasons I work a lot of evenings so I miss but uh, anyways so I've noticed that actually I'll go back to Brian mentioning about the activating the defenseman and that's something that I think is absolutely needed by any team to win to win games you need those defensemen activating um, in the offensive zone and to be able to have the confidence to do that that they'll be backed up by whichever forward is responsible for that and wherever they are in the zone, et cetera. So that's something that I've noticed. I think I put in the chat there in one of, one of my Twitter chats. Uh, the first thing I noticed early in the last game there that the defense was active the first 10 minutes, like they had that one shift right at the start. They were Forbert was like behind. Yeah. yeah, the first yeah. Or second Forbert was behind the net. Uh, he was taking shots from the circle. Like he was, he was all over and that was something that, uh, I'd like to see and even mentioning the Montreal game they lost but I thought they played really well and that's something that I think they can build on something more like that rather than some of their other games where they win when they probably shouldn't yeah shouldn't win so that's something to look out to look at as well as that hopefully they can get consistent control of games throughout it's so much harder to defend when you got that extra guy in there like just yeah, night exactly. and day right yeah and yeah. some, and they do have like um, the ability once they're once they're they're engaged in the offensive zone. Some of those guys have the ability to score. Like you look at Pionk, like he just he has that a good shot gets through. The shot gets through with him every time. Exactly, like he's got that finishing ability, and a few of the other guys do have that. They just haven't unleashed it, I don't think. And also, who would have thought that uh, Forbort and Pionk would be our top most reliable defensive pairing halfway through the season? Yeah, I am. I at the beginning of the year, I was so high on that pairing. I've been less big on Derek Ford, but I think he kind of had a hot start. Um, But again, I think him and Pionk do play well together. But at the end of last game, they were doing some shifting around and stuff. Um, Cardinal me thinks that there's only so much goodness to have on our defensive roster. And so DeMello wasn't there at the beginning and then he <coughs> when he came back he wasn't super sharp and he was playing low minutes whatever so Forbert was good and now that DeMello's better Forbert's not as good like I <laughs> um but I I'm just trying to think of like different things to talk about for this episode geez so many things have happened this year already and like while we're talking about the defense I feel like Nathan Bolio and Logan Stanley and Josh Morrissey are like three of the biggest talking points of this team like well, and Pionk too, I guess. Like, there's just there's so many things to talk about. And like, Stanley hasn't sucked, which is like surprised mm-hmm. me big time. I thought he was gonna be a train wreck, and he's been like 
literally fine like not even that bad like i get mad when he shoots the puck so much i I thought yesterday's game was absolutely great for logan stanley like yeah Yeah, like so i just think and then we've had the nathan bolio being fine in a third pairing situation and then throwing him to play 24 minutes a game and him just i don't even know what's going on there like i just the defense are such a wild card i think with this team and like you said with the activation i feel like there's so many more good things to come from them when they're not trapped in their own zone all the time. Yeah. I thought yesterday it was yesterday, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday's game. I just thought it was a lot of mental lapses, not necessarily, (laughs) not necessarily the style of game they played, but just some mental lapses they got to clean up and that's easier to fix than the stuff that was going wrong early in the season. Right. Yeah. I think that's a really important point too. Like people are losing their mind over the Pionk giveaway there. It's like, okay, that's not an issue to me. Like I literally couldn't care less about that. Like it happens. Like when Patrick Laine scored on our own net against Edmonton like four years ago, whatever. I don't care about that. That's not like a, that's just a glitch in the system at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, speaking specifically the Montreal game, when you give up two, three on O's, you're probably not going to win. Probably Just overall. (laughs) Um, so another thing that I kind of realized was that when this season started, Patrick Laine was still on our team. So I think, would you guys agree that this is probably the biggest trade that's happened since the Jets came back to Winnipeg? For us, I mean, for us, like I, yeah. So I, I think so at least. And I think it's been super weird. Like we're halfway through the season. Patrick Laine played one game with the Jets and between the quarantine and the injury and just kind of easing back into the lineup, like I feel like even at the halfway point of the season, we haven't even seen the most from Dubois yet. Um, but Justin, what are your thoughts on having him in the lineup so far? And kind of how do you foresee that playing out in the next half of the season? Well, with Dubois, I felt like it was really tough for him to kind of get adjusted into the lineup. I mean, he was uh, quarantining for so long and then he had obviously uh, – came back for a couple of nights and then the injury really set him back. So, I mean, I kind of was giving him a bit of a pass back then when, uh, you know, there was some uh, circumstances there that maybe uh, were out of his control, but I kind of, I won't lie to you. I kind of was expecting more from him when I heard about uh, the kind of player that he was and sort of like the hype um, that he kind of came to Winnipeg around. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that maybe he can find some line mates. I'm not sure that, Connor and Ehlers is the perfect fit for him so um, hopefully uh, he can pick it up because I think he has it in him I think he has it in him to be a number one center for years to come for this team so I'm excited and hopefully he'll uh, hit his stride right away yeah personally I think he's a great fit with Ehlers and I don't want to talk too much uh, down about Connor but I'm not a huge fan of kind of his positioning and how he's kind of playing as uh, support to those two right now. So that's just my take on it. But I do honest. think Sorry. I do think we could get a little more out of Dubois as well. I like I'll be honest with you like when we first like when the rumors st- first started coming like I was like that's never going to happen whatever like and everyone knows I'm not going to go down this road again. I'm a huge Dubois fan. I always was. But I was like I never wanted him for Patrick Laine, like one for one, quote unquote, because I was like, I don't like, I think he's a little bit overrated, but I think the overrated comes from people looking at the player that he could be versus the player that he is. And like they, they were looking at how he was 
in the first two rounds of the playoffs where he was an absolute noted leaf killer, where he just totally was a shutdown player in that series against the Leafs. But that whole season, I found he was a little bit back and forth. Like he sometimes wasn't super consistent and stuff. So I was really surprised that people were like, if we trade Patrick Lyon one for one for Dubois, we steal that trade every time. And I was like, really? Like, I just, I didn't quite see that. So I'm not surprised that he hasn't quite, like Justin said, hit his stride yet, but I think he will. And I think once he does, he's going to be a freaking unit and powerhouse for this team, especially when he finds the right line mates. Yeah, that's yeah. that's something I agree with. I mean, he has hasn't been like bad. He just hasn't been kind of that superstar, or that kind of one or top center that we expected or wanted or whatever you, however you want to put that. Which is a fine. I mean, it's really tough to miss games that early, and then with this, I hate saying condensed schedule, but this is an extra condensed schedule this year, and it is tough when you don't get that little extra time you know, to kind of learn who you're playing with. Like he was thrown right in there kind of thing. It's tough to, to build up, you know, just that chemistry and that trust too that you need. And I do agree that maybe Connor's not his best uh, winger. Obviously anyone playing with Ehlers is that Ehlers can play with pretty much anybody and be great. But Connor is kind of that he only, he can only play that one or two specific roles on a line. And I don't think he fits in with the type of line that Dubois and whoever else is on that line needs. I think a perfect fit on left wing there would be either Matthew Perot or Andrew Kopp. I was thinking actually, while you were saying that earlier, I was thinking about maybe try Kopp up there with him on that, on that left wing side. I, I would agree with that. The problem with that is where do you put Connor after you're right, not moving Connor. Yeah. You're not playing Connor with Lowry and you're not moving him to the fourth line and you don't want to put him with Shifley and Wheeler. Exactly. That's my, that's the, that's the kind of issue with it. Right. Well, so, and yeah. That's not even a Maurice grievance at this point. It's like, it just wouldn't make no. sense. Like I, I can't like, obviously we have our frustrations um, with some of the line combinations, but in that top six, other than, possibly running one of those top nine type things with Wheeler on the third line. It really like, you don't put an elite goal scorer like that. Like you said, on the third line with Adam Lowry, like it just wouldn't work. Um, but it's just such a frustrating thing because there are so many line combinations that could work, but then your usage is going to be really messed up with a lot of the guys. Yeah. I think at that point, you're basically changing the whole structure of your lines. Like, Oh, for yeah, sure. Once you start Change moving three or four, three or four guys around, that's a big, like you're talking maybe Wheeler going to the third line, bump Connor up, and then put uh, Cop on the second line. There is it's it's a lot of moving parts. That's you're just changing everything at that point, and who knows? I'm kind Pro of needs to play more. Oh well, and that's the thing though <laughs> is that <laughs> Trevor Lewis has been quiet. He's been fine from what I've seen, but again, it's so hard to judge on a team that or on a line that barely plays. Yet somehow Matthew Perot has made it known that he is very good. I find that Thompson and Lewis are just kind of eh. But if you were able to adjust the lines of your team so that you're rolling four lines properly, mm-hmm. then you could see more pro. And then I wouldn't have an issue with him being on the fourth line, given what he's been able to do. Um, would I, I know I'm just right off the top of my head now. I'm trying to come up with some like lines and stuff like that. And like, I, I always thought the idea of Connor playing with Dubois was good. Um, but I'm wondering if maybe Dubois and Wheeler and someone else on the left, what would your thoughts be 
on that on the second line and then splitting up the Shifley and Wheeler maybe that means the Shifley and Connor reunion but like if you're putting them with Ehlers or Stassi it might not be as big of a deal you could Stassi Shifley and Connor I think yeah I was thinking maybe you could switch um you could flip Dubois and Stastny or no, sorry, Dubois and Shifley. Um, that could be an option. Not very much defense on the Connor Shifley Ehlers line, but that's true. That's true. You know, high end offense that, that would be one thing. And you do know that Connor and Shifley work offensively together. <laughs> yeah. I just don't think, like you would need a defensive presence on that line. There is, there is major potential to give up a lot of really good chances. Now you could give them a lot of offensive zone starts too, but then you're also kind of negating the the strength of Ehlers in transition. So now from an eye test perspective, maybe Justin will get you to touch on this. I thought that, um, Shifley has been better in his own zone than he at the beginning of the year he was atrocious I found like I just thought it was awful to watch um but I haven't noticed it as much lately like obviously I still got frustrated when he's out there defending a six on five but then um Jay Fresh put out um the wins above replacement kind of uh, the north division and Shifley was near the friggin' dead last um as far as defensive responsibility goes and I was surprised that he was still down there Justin do you want to talk about why that's the case still well, I don't know. I, I think uh, with Shifley, I don't think you're ever really going to get like a two-way stud that's going to be uh, like super responsible in his own end, right? That's the kind of player he is. He's uh, all about offense and he's got a ton of skill and, and, and scoring talent. So I, I don't think that there's really any hope that you're going to expect Shifley to all of a sudden become like a prime Adam Lowry and uh, just be a shutdown centerman. So, I mean... I'm not really surprised to see that, but what I will say is uh, with uh, Stasny and uh, Wheeler now on his line, I kind of have liked that combination. I think it's uh, been pretty uh, stabilizing there and it's been sort of bringing up some of their scoring chances. And I think uh, Stasny's a good, uh, good, good presence to have. If you're going to keep Shifley and Wheeler, it's, it's certainly, I did, would say an upgrade on, on Connor on his wing. And uh, I specifically noticed it, uh, against Montreal on Monday I thought that they had a pretty nice game and uh yeah just kind of really liking Stasny on his wing giving him uh some help uh, help there and Stasny's just such a smart player he's always making the right play right so I think it really helps it's been a uh, really shakily. good line eh yeah, yeah, and I think that goes to prove that we're not always stuck in our ways in the, oh, my God, break up Shifley and Wheeler thing. Like, they found a stabilizing, like you said, winger who's able to kind of manage and neutralize that line so they're not – you know, looking like they're lost and just defensively confused all the time. And he's very smart and he's very responsible. So I, so I, I too have found that it's a great fit and I'm open to keeping them together um, for a few more games to give that um, 81, 13, 27 line, a little bit more time to develop some chemistry. Cause I do think there's something there um, between at least a few of those players. Like I think there's a duo on that line that will be good for years to come. I just don't know which one it is. Um, um, Oh, sorry. Go that, ahead. that brings back. I'll just quick. Uh, when when they first brought Stassi in a couple of years ago, there when they put him between uh, Ehlers and Liney, like that line all of a sudden became a juggernaut. I think Stassi just has that, um, that like calming presence that is needed for certain guys that don't play much defense or play defense very well. 
So I think that's why um, he seems to have settled down that sh- that Shifley and Wheeler uh, duo on the top line. I've said this before. I don't know if it was on the podcast, but I've said it to people. Like I just the line with him and Ehlers and Line in 2017-18 reminded me of when he was playing with um, whoever this year, and it's like he's almost like their dad in the sense that he's like, go have fun. And sometimes I'm going to join in on the fun, but I'm here to be kind of the anchor to make sure that nothing gets too out of hand kind of thing. And it's not like he's stopping them from living their best life, but he's (laughs) being very responsible in the sense where he's like, I'm going to have fun with you, but I'm also not going to let you get yourself burnt. Uh, Just to go back on the Shifley point, uh, Liz, uh, you mentioned, I think it was the top down hockey model or... Yeah, I think that was the one. Anyway, um, just to bring up the evolving hockey model, uh, Shifley is ranked currently 97th worst in even strength defense goals above replacement. So just to kind of note a difference between the two models, um, still below replacement level um, and still not great because there's a heck of a lot of forwards in the league. So 97th... uh, 97th worst isn't good but uh some differing opinions on Who's top of that list i'd really like to know top of the list uh i, just, uh, I don't even on. know i gotta to go to page one <laughs> you have to scroll a few pages to find Shifley. oh oh you, take take a guess you you'll be able to guess it i don't it's know if i will forwards. pardon me it is a jet oh it's a jet it's a jet. Is number one? Yeah. Like is it Kyle like, Connor? No, it's Blake Wheeler. It's Blake Wheeler. Okay. Yeah. Oh my. Now they've been on the ice for a lot of goals against. Yeah, yeah but like number one. Wait, wait, which which what are we what are we looking at? Sorry. The... Uh sorry. The evolving hockey uh wins above replacement uh model. We're just looking really? at even strength defense. We oh, are okay. ranked the very worst in that regard right now. I want to touch on that too and kind of go a different route than we've been talking about. And I think part hmm. of that probably does have to do with the fact that this is such a high scoring division and it's just full of offensive power and the defense freaking sucks on every single team in this division. Like Montreal has decent defense, but even that includes Ben Chirot in the top four and Ben Chirot is not that good. Um, but I think there's something to be said about how weird this division is there because there are just so many goals, like so many goals. I'm not sure how the models normalize between divisions or if they're able to. I think, yeah, um, this season there'll be a lot of skewed just because the teams play each other a billion times, right? I think yeah. that'll affect it. And not interdivision, right? So, And you don't, you never see the other teams. So that like, like uh, they were mentioning on the Jets broadcast, you're only playing one number one team right you're only playing the division right. leader you don't play right. the other and that kind of stuff and you also don't play buffalo or those other garbage teams either right so it kind of right you'd think it kind of evens out at a certain point because it's like oh you're not playing buffalo and you're not playing new jersey but you're also not playing tampa bay and stuff tampa right? bay and vegas or whatever i am um, it's so funny i think of when i played high school volleyball and you used to have like these provincial power rankings and it was like my team would be like fourth and we're like woohoo but all nine other teams in the top 10 were teams we hadn't played. So it was like, how relevant are these rankings really? And it makes me think of this because it's like, oh, like Toronto was so much better than Colorado. And it's like, but how do you know that? Like, it's so hard 
like I guess there are stats and whatnot that you can use to like compute but it's just it's so difficult when there's absolutely no carryover between it's hard the even it's hard even to to do it with analytics right now right yeah and even um, and just saying that on top even during a normal season it's hard to to predict that but this season's yeah, even more like true yeah more difficult I kind of want to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. I've been kind of explaining, like, so right now we're nearing, so middle of the season, obviously, and um, the talks about Matias Echo becoming a Jet have kind of heated up in the past few days um, just because we're getting closer to the deadline and also because Chevy in his press conference a couple days ago said that he, if the deal feels right, he's going to do it and he doesn't care about quarantine. And a lot of people, um, when they were talking about maybe bringing in David Savard, they're like, oh, if they would have done that, they would have done it with the Dubois trade, so there's less quarantine and whatnot. I want to know how you guys feel because I'm saying freaking go all in on home. And my reason why is that, like we said, this division is weird. And I think whoever wins the cup this year is going to be an absolute fluke. I think it's a bizarre year. And I think no one's going to be able to adjust properly to the circumstances in a seven game series to really give it their best against a certain team that they haven't seen all year. And I think that this is going to be the best chance that we have of getting out of the division into the conference finals that we will in a few years. Cause I think Colorado is really going to heat up in the next little while and it's going to be difficult to get past them. And I think that this year um, I might consider Toronto to be our toughest competition. And I don't think they have the mental toughness and I don't think they have the um, clutch goalie that they need or the, like, I don't know what else I'm looking for. I just don't think they have it in them to beat us in a seven game series. I really don't. And I think they would be the toughest, toughest opponent for us to get through. And at that point, I think once you get out of there, it's no one knows who can beat the teams in the other divisions just because it's so hard to tell in advance. So I think this is going to be one of the best chances we have at getting a cup because of how many guys are going to be coming up on contracts in the next like three or four years. Um, that was a long rant about nothing, but I want to know what you guys kind of feel about that. That's bold. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm all in on Ekholm as well. Uh, if... Like, if they keep playing the way they're playing, Ekholm complements that kind of game perfectly. Uh, he's really good in transition and does like to jump in the play. Um, and honestly, our issue right now is not at right defense. We've got Pionk, who's playing really well, and DeMello, who I'm a lot higher on him than I think most Jets fans. I've seen a lot of, I don't want to call it hate, but questioning him on twitter lately i just think he's almost the stastny of defensemen just in terms of (laughs) a really good positional player um not the most skilled guy um not necessarily going to be the most involved offensively but he's been solid anyway uh, i digress um the issues with the left side of the defense right now our best left-handed defenseman might be Derek Forbert. Mm. Like, is that really good? Probably not. So yeah, Matias Ekholm would be a huge ad for this team and you get him for one more year after this year as well. So by the sounds of it, it's going to probably take a first round pick and two prospects. So the first one, uh, They'd rumored to have been speaking about Sammy Niku. Uh, so do they first want ready Niku... to play prospects or do they want young ones? Well, 
what do you mean like like because sometimes when they trade guys they trade someone who's like 19 years old but sometimes like a 22 year old like jansen harkins oh. he's not a prospect anymore but like you know what i mean uh i'm not sure what kind of level prospects they're looking for but i was at first i was thinking like before and i know one game should never sway my opinion but i was thinking a first niku and stanley but now i see stanley play i think he might have a spot in this lineup if this team is to actually go on a run. So maybe maybe you talk about a guy like Declan Chisholm. Uh, I'm not really sure if I'm not sure if that gets it done or not, but a first Niku and Chisholm, I think I would do it for Matias Ekholm. And I would I would do that just solely on the fact that you get him for a full season after. Yeah. Yeah, and then there have also been people that have been saying, I don't know if this is just from the Winnipeg perspective because everyone's always kind of um, biased to the home crowd, but that they think they might be able to get them for cheaper just solely because of expansion things coming up. And I don't know how much that really plays into a trade that happens right now, but because teams are going to have to protect him because he has another year, do you think that has anything to do with the market price? No. Okay. Every team loses a player. That's just the way it is. Mm Mm-hmm. But then if you're trading them picks and prospects, they don't have anyone. They can protect another one of their current roster guys. But anyways, maybe that's just me being optimistic. But um, Justin, do you have any thoughts about what you want to do at the deadline if we're a buying, selling team or what kind of you expect to see from them? Well, 100% yes to Matias Ekholm. I think uh, with the way that the Jets are right now, they're uh, you know at the top of the North Division and I don't think there's really any worry about falling into the lottery. So I think giving up picks or like prospects like if you have to give up a guy like Sammy Niku or Jansen Harkins uh, I would say I have no problem doing that to try and make a run at this thing because like you said Liz I I don't think that there's as clear of a route to the conference finals as we'll get in uh, this year than in coming years right I think back in the central division I don't think the Jets uh, match up well with some of those Colorados and Minnesotas and St. Louis's and whatnot so I think this is the year to go all in. And I think uh, with the draft kind of being a bit of a crapshoot, a lot of the players, right, aren't getting in a full season. There's a lot less information on it. So giving up picks to make a move, for sure I would do it. And with Ekholm, obviously that's a big get. I think he would uh, do a lot of good things and fix kind of some of the holes in the Jets. And I think also too, if uh, you're looking at the deadline, I think maybe adding another depth forward or something to sort of bump yeah. Nate Thompson out and maybe getting a fourth line that you can play maybe a little bit more like uh, Andrew Mangiapane or Alex Iafalo or something like that. That'd be, that'd be great. Are those guys uh, available? I would grab Mangiapane in a heartbeat. I, to me, mm-hmm. he's one of the most underrated players in the league, not dissimilar to Matthew Perot. It's just I was gonna say, yeah, with the depth. Oh, well, I was just say in his role, he's one of the best. I think. Yeah, um, I think I think instead of giving up more, though, you gotta just get get him get Maurice to play Harkins, right for a fourth line, like just give Harkins ten minutes a night. I mean, obviously Manjipani is a step up from Harkins, but what are you losing comparatively, right? That's especially if you're already making a move for for a guy like Ekholm. Obviously, I do agree, like it should be about getting Thompson out, which I think they already have the players in house for that to be possible. And again, same thing on the, on the defense. I mean, 
obviously I, like I said, I'm in on at home, like for sure. If they could pull something off, that's, that's sweet. They get a full, an extra year or another year out of them. So I'm, that sells me even more on it, but you have a guy like, you know, Heinola that, you know, could be playing and definitely could be an upgrade of what they got. So like Chevy said in his press conference there yesterday or whenever it was about the in-house guys too being an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. They're an option, but are they ever going to actually get a chance in this current lineup with this coach? Right. right. So that's kind of, you got to kind of bring that guy in, I think is kind of what we're saying. And we yeah. will play him. When he said that, do you think he meant like seventh defenseman, Sammy Niku, or do you think he genuinely meant some of those elite AHL guys that we have right now? Because if that's the case, then he and Maurice need to have a chat and get on the same page. Because <laughs> yeah, it just seems I was like thinking, only contradictory. I was thinking the same thing. You know, he definitely meant the guys like Hanela Sandberg. I think he did say, I think he did say the AHL, like he mentioned AHL specifically. I didn't watch, but from the commentary I saw is what the vibe I got from that is that he meant like the either AHL forward or Luke, Luke Green. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. I just wanted to take a quick second um, to remind everyone. uh, So this episode is sponsored by Vertical Adventures, um, super good friends of ours. Um, so they're open right now and they're, um, so you can go on their website, you can go to their Twitter, you can go to their Instagram to book. Um, they have all kinds of different levels uh, are welcome. They have coaches. They have a great facility. You can bring your kids. You can go by yourself, whatever you want. Um, we're super pumped about our sponsorship with them. If you have any questions about kind of what they offer there, shoot us a message or shoot Vertical Adventures a message on Twitter or check out their website. We're super pumped about our uh, partnership with them and we love being connected with them. So make sure you check them out. Um, we'll keep going on sort of the well, age. Before you're done, Liz, I want to I wanna just... Um... Uh, congratulate uh, Roddy. Uh, he was uh, he was asked to be what was it the chair of the Bruce Oak Recovery Center? Yeah, the interim. I chair. believe today. So that's something that I think is a big deal and something uh, that I'm a big backer of was the Bruce Oak Recovery Center back when they were having all those rallies and stuff for it. So I just and I know he was. It's very important to him and that's something that I hold near to myself as well. So uh, congrats, uh, congrats yeah. to Roddy for that. Huge friend of the show. We're super pumped for Roddy. It's and that's a great person, a great fit for a role like that. So we're really excited for him. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if we sort of want to talk about like the what we've been frustrated about with kind of those prospects um, throughout this year. I don't know if anyone wants to just throw around um, sort of the Hanola Sandberg issue that we've seen and if they're kind of if you're okay now with them playing in the AHL now that they're not just sitting in the press box and stuff or what kind of the issue is with the team there I've watched I haven't watched as many moose games lately uh like I watched the first number of them and I think the last five or so I've missed uh for various reasons but Hanola to me has always looked NHL ready right from the start of the season. Like I watched a little bit of him in Liga as well. And he's just done well everywhere. Right. And it may have been a little tougher for him without much of a forward group with the moose. But honestly, I think there's a chance that we have a star defenseman on our hands there. Uh, as far as Samber goes, I think he might be NHL ready too. Uh, he looks super steady down there. Obviously, I think he has just one point on the season. Uh, most people who talk to me know I'm not big on judging players by points. And 
it is going to be tough for defensemen to score points on the moose just because they don't have a lot of finishing talent with their forwards. So they didn't anyway. Now they got Marco Dano, uh, David Gustafson, Christian Veselainen. So that's a huge, huge addition yeah. for them. You can't forget Pretty that. You can't forget Nathan, for Nathan Todd as well. Nathan uh, Todd. scoring leader. So yeah, I don't know why. Oh, I don't know why sure. Sandberg doesn't have 50 points this year feeding at the Todd. Right. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But uh, I think both of those guys would make an impact if given the chance in the NHL in different ways, both are going to be real good in transition. Um, Hanel is going to be more involved in the offense. Uh, Samberg probably be a bit more steady defensively and maybe not as aggressive, but again, both are going to make, I think both are going to make an impact whenever they get their chance. So do you think, so based on your kind of assessment there, you're asserting that they're both kind of at a similar level of readiness of they could be in right now. So they're probably going to come into the league around the same time. Do you think that's going to kind of force the hand of the defensive coach, whether it be Ch- Chuddy, Charlie Huddy at that point or someone else? Um, do you think someone it's going to kind of force them to play a little bit differently um, in the sense that you have to a little bit, players a little bit more offensively inclined. I know we said that Dylan Sandberg isn't totally, but if he's playing with someone like Hanola, they might be a little bit more activated offensively. Yeah. For me, I think I'd rather have them on separate pairings, to be honest with you. Um, Just both as left defensemen, I guess either one of them can play the right side, but I'm not huge on defensemen playing their offside when they don't have to. So for me sorry go ahead no i was gonna just ask so like would sandberg be a good for uh pionk maybe if he's not as inclined in the ozone as much because i think forbert's only on like a one year i think that would be a perfect fit besties for life (laughs) honestly i think i couldn't think of a much better fit honestly for dylan sandberg um for billy hanela I think he would be a perfect fit with Dylan DeMello because Hanela can be that transition guy, that offensive guy, and hey, and DeMello can be sort of the steady presence. I think that could be – those four together could be a really good top four for years to come. Yeah, that's, that's encouraging too, especially because they're all eventually will be on term like Josh has – or I guess Josh isn't included in that, but um, Pionk and – um Demello, I feel like are probably going to be here um for a while so do we have anything else that we're kind of like itching to talk about about this season so far or anything kind of coming up um with playoff thoughts or anything like that or even just like a review about stuff that's happened already like I feel like this season has somehow gone on for so long yet it's so short like the the Patrick Lydie tra- trade seems like it happened months and months and months ago like I just I don't even know there's just been so much that's happened <laughs> For me, it seems like yesterday. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, just there's a lot going on in the world too. It kind of just makes it not secondary. Mate. Well, I guess secondary, but also, you know, you're reading so much more news than probably most of us have ever had prior to like the COVID and all the pandemic and stuff. So some stuff feels secondary, you know, and that's, 
that's a good thing that hockey is always, you know, not, not the forefront um, with the pandemic and stuff. But I think I agree with Les. Like, I feel like they traded Liney like last season. Like there's just been so much other stuff that's happened just with the team, even specifically yeah. speaking. Um, I will mention, obviously, Connor Hellebuck is still our uh, most valuable player. And <laughs> the way he's, you know, you know, he lets in, what did he, what did, what did he let in yesterday? Three goals or whatever. And I think two of them were like the three on O or whatever. Like, what are you going to yeah. do? So, you know, a lot of his goals and he, you know, his stats aren't probably as good talking about not his advanced stats, but just like his goals against and stuff aren't as good as they were. But when you're giving up stuff like that, they're not going to be that good. And you got to score four or five goals a game, which it's the same old, same old Jets, though. We're kind of used to that and used to those third period comebacks down by two. At this point, I almost expect it. So I was kind of disappointed <laughs> in the Montreal game yesterday. They didn't get that done, but yeah. that's something. Hellebuck's still great, and Brassois has been playing very nice in the games that he's been able to play, and I think he's won his last four or five starts as well. So the goaltending seems to be something constant, which not a lot of teams do. can say that their goaltending is consistent, so that's something that you like to see consistent going consistently (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, there's two teams looking to add dubnik now oh my gosh oh man (laughs) or at least two teams anyway as if uh, i hope i hope in washington i heard i hope edmonton trades for dubnik that would just be the highlight of my entire life circle of life and devin dubnik (laughs) um I was going to say something about the emergence of Mason Appleton. I don't know if Justin, you want to talk about kind of, that's been, I feel like one of the most consistent plot lines of this season so far. Yeah, for sure. I don't think a lot of people necessarily expected Appleton to come in here and have as good of a season as he's had. I think he's been really steady on the third line and he plays a really simple, but a really effective game and he's driving some really positive results and, I mean, even just looking at basic counting stats, like I think he has like 15 points or something in like, what is it, 27 games, something like that. 28, yeah. So like that's really effective scoring for a guy that's not getting any uh, power play time, right? So I think that's been really good. And another thing that I love about him is how solid he is in his own end, right? Like he's a real good two-way forward and I think he's a really simple game and he's been really effective with uh Lowry and Cop and Perot and whoever's on that third line so I think that's a really uh big thing going forward and I think he has top six potential like I mean when we were talking about uh structuring the lines I don't think we mentioned uh Appleton sort of getting in there but I think uh down the line I think he's he's like what is he 24 I think he has some room to grow and maybe into a top six role and uh I think it's been really important for the Jets to get a guy like Appleton and uh like I, I, I mentioned on Twitter the other day, I think he's like one of my favorite Jets now. He's been uh, he's been great this year, so really in, good things from him. In my interview with Marat, he was talking about how at training camp this year, um, Appleton kind of saw, you know, Stastny has, is back. You have your Connor, your Ehlers, your Scheif. Like top six, six just wasn't really an option for him. And then you see Jack Roslevich sitting at home and you're like, here's what I'm going to do. Mason Appleton cemented himself with Adam Lowry and is like, this is going to be me. I'm not going to be a fringe in and out of the lineup press box guy. I am going to be Andrew or sorry, Adam Lowry's right-hand guy. 
and I'm going to cement myself on that third line. And that's what he did. And I just think that he's been so good this year. And when I watch him play, I know the Jets talk about how they've done a lot of like video review this year and stuff. And I just want to scream at Shifley to watch Mason Appleton back check <laughs> and like watch if his stick is six inches away from the puck, he can reach and get it. You don't stop there. Like, I don't know. Like, again, that's just me being a grumpy old man, but I just find that he's so, and Brian, you've talked about this before. Like you've said that you always knew the defensive responsibility was there in the AHL and the NHL, like you saw it. So the scoring has been a nice surprise, um, yeah. but I don't want to take want, I don't want that to take away from the fact that he has been such a solid 200 foot player and he's been a huge addition to that third line because that's where we beat out a lot of teams is the fact that our third line can come out and they can they can score goals if they have yeah. to our scoring doesn't just come from the top six and that brings it back to the the what it was at the 17 18 run where they were running lowry on the fourth line right that was that's kind of the, the we know we need that third line scoring ability and when you watch appleton one of the goals there he kind of looked like we there one of we there's old drive around the defense go crash the net yeah. right and just bury it that's kind of what the vibe i got from it and you mentioned top six like that's that's that top six kind of more power power guy that's also responsible. That's a younger couple of years ago, Blake Wheeler, right? Yeah. Up and down the ice kind of kind of player. And that's hopefully that's something that he continues to grow on. And we're forgetting or not forgetting, I guess, just didn't mention that he missed a couple months last year, breaking his foot, playing football at the Heritage Classic, later, right? Yeah. So he could have been like this last year had he not had that unfortunate uh, pregame accident there. Mm -hmm. So that's something I've always liked Appleton coming up through the moose and stuff like that as well. So it's, it's good to see that he got his chance and he's definitely taken his chance and he's not uh, coming out of the lineup anytime soon. Yeah. I liked Appleton last year and I'm going to take the praise even a step farther. I think you could really give him some selkie consideration. Not, I don't think, I don't think he gets too many, uh, too many selkie votes because probably, not enough minutes, but I think his defensive impact has been up there with some of the best. And he uh, seems to be all right on the penalty year. kill too. I know the Jets penalty kill is always a disaster, but he seems <laughs> he, to yeah. fit in there at least. He's a good penalty killer. Yeah, you see, like just from watching the Jets penalty kill, you never know who's good or not because they <laughs> give up so many. You give up so many shots, you never know who's. I can never tell who's on the ice because it's. I listened to six minutes of the game on the radio and five of those were, uh, uh, what's his name? Paul Edmonds saying hella saved by Hellebuck. Right. So it's just kind of, they're just that kind of team that they just give up a billion, not necessarily grade eight shots against, but they just give up a million of them. And on the penalty, like the penalty kill, they give up a million and one. So that's just, that's just the way it is. The way their system is designed to rely on Hellebuck, but it's good that, you know, Appleton was able to step in at least, get himself on a penalty kill as well, you know, get, get more minutes. Minutes are valuable to any younger player coming up. Wait, but who scored the most shorthanded goals? Cause that makes them the best penalty killer. Hmm. Trevor Lewis. Trevor Lewis. Is that our only one this year? I feel like it is. I, I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one laughed because so. I'm not funny, but I was being sarcastic for those of you who can't read the room because, Oh my God. Um, but what about our power play? I've just been like, I, I am so obsessed with our second unit. I think yeah. it's so fun to watch. And <laughs> Brady has said it a thousand times. I don't know if he was the one who penned it first, but whatever unit Ehlers is on is your first power play unit. I'm sure everyone <laughs> has said that, but like, it's, yeah. uh, 
I've had grievances with the power play. Cal Connor has been good. He doesn't, he's not great with the puck battles or whatever on the wall, but man, oh man, can he score from all kinds of different angles. So I've been happy with mm-hmm. that. Um, but I really like to see some reconstruction on those um, two, the first two, the, the two power play units there, especially um, Ehlers and also Pionk. Now that Pionk doesn't have to pass to Line, yeah. I think he's the guy to put on the point. Unless you're running a five power uh, forward power play, because then I'm all ears. But <laughs> if you have to have a defenseman out there, put it Neil Pion. I would be interested now. I know they're never going to do this, but I'd be interested to see. Yeah, Pionk at the top. Um, Ehlers, Ehlers in the Shifley spot and Shifley in the Wheeler spot and Wheeler to the second unit. That's That's kind of, that would be something that I would look at trying. Because I think Ehlers, I think, has taken a step forward this year on the power play, um, just in terms of his decision making and just how comfortable he looks on the power play in general. Um, I don't want to take Connor off of there just because of that shooting threat. Uh, I think if you have the shooting threat of Ehlers on the left and Connor on the right, um, that does give you a lot of options. Not that Shifley's not a threat from there, but they don't seem to get that cross ice pass uh, the same way they used to with Wheeler to line a. So to if that they... point, I want to just mention too that I, it was a really interesting point that again, Marat brought up a while ago was that when they were able to do that, that was when we had Dustin Bufflin on the point who was the biggest blue line shooting threat in like the entire freaking NHL so you had the forwards <laughs> cheating up all the time because they're like this man is gonna rip a bomb past my goalie and I need to stop that so then yeah. that opens up the lane right for the guy on the half wall to make the pass across the line to shoot the rocket so you have to pick one it's like hey Buffalo or line it like what are you gonna do who are you drawing to so I think it's more difficult to get that pass across now that you don't have that oh, yeah. shooting threat at the top yeah, yeah. and uh, they have a difference between like the system that they run with the power play one and two like the power play one is very similar to what they ran when they had line A. They just kind of moved a few pieces around where the second unit with Ehlers and, and companies a little more flowing um, of a power play where they kind of don't have a set. Okay. We got to pass it to the circle for the one time where it's kind of like, we're going to move it around a lot and try to create um, chances. However we can, whether with it's with, whether if it's with a shot in tight or some kind of backdoor kind of play or that kind of, stuff so the the style of the power play is a little different on with the two units they run which i think is somewhat of an advantage as well just in the sense that the penalty kill has to kind of adjust on the fly as well i think we're going to kind of wrap it up here but i'm going to start because i've been thinking about this and i'm going to give you guys some time to think so i'm going to say for we didn't do mid-season report cards but what i'm going to say is i want you to write off the top of your head create your lines for this team going forward who you're protecting in the expansion draft as of right now and where the jets finish this year so i'm gonna say that i'm gonna keep the top six the way they are right now and i'm going to actually move perot up to play with lowry and appleton and then i'm putting in Harkins with lewis and cop on the fourth line and then i'm keeping morrissey and Demello the way they are and I'm going to put Pullman and Stanley, I think, together and leave Forber and Pionk as they are. This is not calling up anyone from the minors or anything like that. And then obviously Hellebuck. And I think 
right now I protect obviously the current top six that we have and Mason Appleton and not Stastny and I'm protecting um cop and I'm not protecting Lowry or Stastny there because they're UFAs and I think the Jets are going to make it to the conference finals this year but then I think that's where they're gonna cut it out um okay Brian (laughs) so I'm not allowed to call anyone up with uh, when I do these lines okay unless I don't know I'll I'll, just do do that I won't do that because I would make too many changes yeah um (laughs) uh just in the short term I think all I would do uh I would move Perot up to the third line um I'd leave the Leave the top six, move Perot with back with Lowry and Appleton, because that was working a lot better than the iteration with Cop. And I would have Cop centering, I guess Harkins, and since I'm not allowed to call anyone up, it would have to be Lewis then. So it would be But would you put Vessa in there if you had a choice to bring someone yes. up? Is that who you would choose? Okay. Well, I probably would have brought up Gustafson. Oh and- yeah. I would have brought both Gustafson and Veselainen. And if that were the case, I would have to think about that some. I, might I wouldn't go... put Harkins in. In that case, I wouldn't put Harkins in. Sorry. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, um, so, yeah, that would be my, my, I guess, forward lines. And defense pairings, as it stands right now, yeah, I guess I stick with Morrissey, DeMello, forward Pionk, Stanley Poolman. Um, Even without a bolio injury. Easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, uh, my protection list is, I think, the same as yours, Liz. I, I'm keeping obviously Wheeler because the mo- no move clause, uh, Shifley, Ehlers, Connor, uh, Cop. I think that's up to five. Um, I'm missing somebody in there. Dubois. Dubois, yes. And uh, <laughs> Appleton. And then, you know what? I might go. I might go DeMello, Pionk, and Stanley just as it stands. Oh, like is, I is Stanley eligible? Yes. Oh I I don't think Seattle is gonna pick Morrissey. Like But the Jets would never expose Morrissey. Are you kidding me? I would. <laughs> oh no, I would too at this point. <laughs> but that would never happen. You are dreaming, oh, my friend. I had a it depends. Like if they trade for Ekholm. I think you might be surprised. Oh, like, that that's different. I I think I think they might have a good idea that Seattle wouldn't take Morrissey. I'm very confident that Seattle would not take Morrissey, and even if they did, that contract does look like a bit of a mammoth right now. And with yeah. the way he's playing, you're not losing a lot. You do have Hanel and Samberg coming up and Stanley looking like a solid third pairing D-man you might not be in as bad a shape as you think. Oh, no, I don't think we're in bad shape at all. I just think that the idea of the Jets, the most loyal organization in professional sports, not protecting (laughs) someone with a letter on their jersey is absolutely out of this world, abysmal, not even a possible thought. Fair enough. But yeah, there's my, uh, my lineup and my protected list for now. What about playoffs? 
playoffs. Um, Talking about playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's so hard to predict what's going to happen in the playoffs. So much of it is like play? almost a flip of the coin. Oh, yeah. I'll call it. I'm going to disappoint Jets fans and call it a first round exit. This is more just the if you end up being right, you can you have proof to say I was right. <laughs> and um, it won't be because of my smarts. It'll be because of puck bounces. It might just be because they suck, but I'll take a, I'll take a first round exit. Fair enough. I, I, or I think that's what's going to happen. I don't want a first round exit. Said I want to see them win the Stanley Cup. But based on how negative you are, you think you think you want it, eh? Well, you know what? I can just take off this headset and walk away right now. It's you... all out of love. <laughs> all out of love. Uh Justin, what do you uh what do you think? Um, well, as far as the lines here, I just kind of got the uh the notes app out here and uh, really scrambled together something really quickly. And I think something uh creative and I don't think something very realistic, but something that I'd kind of like to see. Um so I would go uh, first line, Connor Dubois and move Shifley to the wing. Ooh, I, think I like that. Shifley to the wing kind of gives him some less defensive responsibility as a centerman. And maybe you see, I think the Flyers did it with Giroux a couple of years ago, and he had a big uptick in uh, his production. So I wonder if that would help uh, benefit Shifley. And then uh, – Second line, I'd go Ehlers, Stasny, and Appleton. Uh, move my boy up. I think he's uh, deserved some some more minutes. Okay. And, uh, I love it already. Uh, like... <laughs> Again, not very realistic, but that leaves the third line uh, of Perot, Kopp, and Wheeler. I think uh, some of those guys are a little bit better defensively, and it gives Wheeler uh, some uh, – add some scoring uh, touch to that line. And then I think a fourth line of – Harkins, Lowry, and Lewis. I, I don't think it needs to play a lot of minutes, and I think it'll be defensively sound with Lowry uh, on the line. And uh, I think you could trust that 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 uh, that line with about 10, 12 minutes I, of ice, right? So I, I like your creativity, Justin. I, think I really like those. I think that's four lines that could really work. Well, Lowry on the fourth line gets into the conference finals. We all know that. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Lowry is the best fourth line center in the NHL that's (laughs) like I that's that's kind of been my take is that if you have him on your fourth line that's a Stanley Cup team depends what you have in your top six but I I I totally I totally hear you on that one fair enough okay what are your D pairs and then with the D pairs, I'm uh, going to go ahead and manifest that we get uh, Matias Ekholm, right? We got to have positive okay. vibes here. I so, like uh, your thinking. I like yeah, it. We, uh, we're, we've moved on with some of the, the lesser D and we're getting, we're getting Ekholm. So I'm going to rock Ekholm, Pionk as my top pair, Morrissey, nice. Danone. And then you can go Forbert, Stanley. I don't really care with Pullman on the third, uh, third, third pair. If, if you want to go young, get Stanley some games. I'd be all for it. He's played well enough this year. But you also have the veteran and forward, and I think they do similar things. So that's my uh, that's my uh, my lineup. And then as far as who I'm protecting in the uh, expansion draft, I think for sure you got to do the obvious: uh, Connor, Shifley, Ehlers, Dubois, um, and uh, Wheeler, Appleton, and then Cop. Who do we have? Oh, cop. Yeah. 
Yeah, you don't want to lose cop. So uh, I, I would be okay with exposing Lowry, and then hopefully maybe you can get a little side deal, and maybe he can come back. Uh, I don't think he's going to command all that much. So. And I think you. I don't think that yeah takes him as a pending UFA either. So. And uh, then defensive wise, if you have Ekholm, you got to protect him, uh, Pionk, and then your choice between Morrissey and DeMello. I think if you want to leave that contract out as bait, maybe you do that. But uh, I think based on merit, I'd be willing to give Morrissey a, a little bit of a little, little bit of a leash here and see if uh, he can maybe pick it up um, with maybe you give him DeMello for a few games and or. For a longer, I longer period disagree of time. Agree with you, Justin, but we'll uh, <laughs> we'll save that for another time. Love it. <laughs> hey, Morris needs to be really good. I hope he can get back. I don't know. I don't know I what's wrong so. with him. I hope so. I'm not, I'm not I hope convinced. He it out. No, that's very about, fair. That's fair. What about playoffs? And then for playoffs, um, I'm gonna say the Jets finished third in the division. And they beat whoever they play in the first round, let's say Edmonton. And then I think they face Toronto in round two. And even though the Leafs are supposed to choke in the playoffs every year, I think this is the year they get to the conference finals and will probably lose in like maybe six games. That's what I'll, that's what I'll call. So you're going to let them get to the conference finals so they can choke there? <laughs> sure. We'll get smoked that. by Colorado in the conference final. There I, we go. Hope, <laughs> I hope with my whole heart. That however they exit, it's ugly and sad. Okay, Daniel, finish it off for us. What do you uh, well, I, I can't I can't be Justin's lines. Can I just say I'll do that? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so what do we got right now there? We got Stassi, Shifley, Wheeler. So I think I think like I mentioned, you kind of maybe move Eli- or move Connor back up there, take the loss in the in the D zone and hope they can score more than they've let in. What? <laughs> You're calling that's, for a reunion? Oh, yeah, let's get the what? reunion tour. We all know what's happening anyway. I'm some shocked. Um, <laughs> um, but Should more realistically, off I the think... podcast or what? Stop <laughs> <laughs> recording. Daniel's on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but more realistically, I'll I'll restart that. I think uh, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind kind of keeping that Stastny with with Shifley at least. And then maybe you try Connor, Stastny, and Shifley, maybe. And okay. then maybe bump Wheeler down with Dubois and Ehlers, and that might not be too bad, I think, just speaking with not, okay. like, like I mentioned earlier, not making too many, like, just revamping the whole thing. And then the third line, you kind of, you know, like we said, we want Perot getting some more minutes. Um, so maybe you switch him with Cop and then get Harkins in there for Thompson. Um, and you know, maybe get one of those. Like, I know we didn't call guys up, but maybe call up one of those younger guys and get uh, Lewis out of there as well. Though, you know, and you kind of maybe play around with that too a little bit. Like, just got to balance for me, it's more about balancing out the minutes than being so top heavy. Um, so you want that fourth line getting a little bit more, and that's something you can't really do when you have Thompson or even if you put Harkins in for Thompson. So they're kind of in a tough spot on that. Just I'm all about the balancing of the minutes more so than the exact science of who you have playing with each other. And I know obviously that correlates to if you, how, how much you can play them and stuff. But I think we maybe try that, see a little, little few minor adjustments more than revamping the whole thing. Um, defense, I say just 
keep what you got right now. So that's what have they got? They got Morrissey, DeMello, Pionk, Forbert, and then Stanley with Poolman and just shelter Poolman and Stanley as much as you can, which they have been doing. And hope Morrissey can maybe not be as bad. Maybe he can improve a little bit more, get his feet under him. You know, you hope I like, I agree with both Brian and saying maybe it's good to get rid of him, but I also agree with Justin saying, I just don't want to let him go kind of thing. You know, don't want to give up hope on him, but it's something that maybe it's time to realize that yeah. maybe he's not who we thought he was without Truba, et cetera, right? So that's just kind of where I'm at on that. Maybe I'll just quickly elaborate on that with Morrissey. I do think there's a role he can be successful in, but right. it's a very specific role. It's kind of, he kind of, like we say, our, Connor. Seeing that our right defense, sorry, seeing that our right defense going forward is going to be DeMello Pionk. Neither of them are particularly great in transition. And I really think Morrissey needs that guy who's really good in transition. And I think Garrett tweeted it earlier can sort of be that, uh, that physical presence on that pairing. So um, he, he just, he's not our one a anymore. And once they realize that and modify around it, I think he can still contribute to the team. I don't know. Yeah, I still think it, overall the contract is going to be more than he's worth given what we know now. Oh, yeah, but it was so nice take. at the time. I don't, yeah. I honestly, I don't, discredit chevy for that one if i'm being honest no no oh, like nice. you have to you have to you have to sign him right that's there's based mm-hmm. on nothing we, based on the available information at the time it wasn't a bad signing but no one saw this coming it, well i mean i didn't but, yeah. yeah and then uh what do i got i got to protect players now oh, I, I i really hate this stuff <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> I guess you protect the guys you have to protect uh, there. So Wheeler, Shifley, Ehlers, Connor, uh, Dubois. Um, you got to protect. I, I'm on board with Appleton, Cop. Uh, I don't know how many guys I just listed off there. but I think six, maybe. Yeah, so you got to keep. I think we all Cop. just literally the same. Yeah. 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 <laughs> keep, keep the good guys and expose the, the bad ones. Um, I think also <laughs> one thing that I was thinking of, is that they might be able to entice Seattle to take that little contract away. You Maybe really if they think could pay- so? I mean, that's something that, that they did with the Vegas. They gave them, gave up just Thorburn, right? They gave up nothing in that. Yeah, a Little's got Chevy. all that time left though, right? Like he's yeah. got, what, three more years? But three I do see years. what you're saying. But Seattle you- needs, like, they need the cap floor as well, right? So that's yeah. something that I think they could be enticed in. Um, I mean, who, who really knows? Because that, like I think Vegas even they took a couple of questionable not like a couple of bigger contracts as well so it's something that is kind of in the back of my mind that I've actually been considering and I know like three seasons is a lot um but that's you know and then the defenseman you protect uh you protect the mellow uh you protect uh who I can't even think of the defense right now but you protect the the mellow pionk um Demello, Pionk. And that's where our debate started with the more yeah, Stanley or Ekholm. Like, <laughs> well, well, if you have Ekholm, obviously, but you know, I think you do. I like from what I've seen from Stanley, it's something you don't want to to lose. Maybe you know, give him give him more games. I guess, um, especially because again, his organization is going to value someone like that so much. Like the big, tall, 
lots of shots defenseman yeah so if we have one of those that's actually good and is into tyler myers that's a huge win like yeah and thing sorry go ahead no go ahead go ahead i was gonna say the thing about if you did happen to lose Stanley, I don't think it's a big deal because no. you do have Hanela, you do have Sandberg, and past that, you even have Declan Chisholm, who I think is a pretty good prospect as well. And then there's the wild card in Anton Johannesson. So oh, yeah. it is a late, I think a sixth, fifth round pick, a uh, real small guy, a lot of offensive upside. Injury prone to Injury prone, yeah. Yeah. If he and can and you got a guy like your skill there for sure. Yeah. And how's uh, uh Gawonk Gawonky Gawonk doing there? I has he been playing a lot with the Moose? I I know he was good on the power play last year. Struggles kinda... a bit defensively, but there probably is an NHL player there. I just don't know. Like the upside is there, uh, but there's also certain possible. Like there's also uh. Oh, we lost you, buddy. Oh, oh, oh. oh no. He was going to say he was going to say he's more like a wild card as well. Like uh, some of the other maybe B or C prospects yeah. probably. Oh, That's kind of where I was leading out either. So it's kind of a wait and see with him kind of thing. Yeah. Just oh. kind of wait and see. Yeah. Oh. We now lost you back. for a second, but I, I think yeah. I, I had your vibe there. He's more <laughs> yeah. of a wild card. Just wait and see how, how it uh, yeah, works out. Exactly. For sure. And uh, and the playoffs, uh, I think they'll make it to round two. Uh, I yeah, round two. I think the Leafs. I hate to say it, but I think they might be due for a little run with all that scoring talent they have. You know, maybe Anderson is known to be kind of that streaky guy. He can get on a hot streak. I I hate to say it, but it's something that I can see see happening and hopefully they get smashed by Colorado or, uh, <laughs> or something in the third round. That's we'll go with that. And, and, you know, yeah, that's uh, hopefully it's at least a good series if they do make it that far and, you know, we get some excitement out of it, but you hate, you hate to say it, but you gotta. I hate the Leafs. We oh, are, the we're talking Stanley cup champions. We <laughs> haven't even made the playoffs yet. <laughs> I'm talking. You know, I do champions. say, I do say, this is the one year you really gotta, you really gotta go in on getting, getting a banner of sorts, like a North Division champion or something, because this isn't gonna happen again. It's yeah. weird, at least for no a while. Kidding. So, it's so the think, one you know, you'll you remember in, forever. You do go something. All in, yeah. You go all in for any banner you can get this season. I think, and yeah. that's something we're trading for an Ekholm. You know, we're trading <laughs> for a few guys. Just, just do it. Sell the farm. Let's go. <laughs> if you win oh, the yeah. North Division. You put a banner up. You go all in Nashville yeah. style on this yeah. one. <laughs> and, well, I, I mean, they get like like the north, you know, the north north division champs. Like, it's just something you won't see. Exactly. Just like had they had they somehow won the selfie. Could you imagine they somehow won the selfies? <laughs> like to have that banner up 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 at the MTS Center. Like that's something just the selfie a selfie vision playing so far north. Like what? That's that would that would have been wild. It's too bad they couldn't have done something like that, but. I think just the rarity, you just got to go all in this year. Oh, just oh, yeah. the absurdity of that. <laughs> yeah. Makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> Anyways, I think that's kind of the long and the short of it, but mostly the long of it, kind of our mid-season thoughts and whatnot. Um, for those of you who have stuck around this far, let us know what you think on Twitter. Let's chat about it. Again, like we've said, we're fans. 
we make a podcast for fans. We want to talk about fans. We're all ears for opinions, stuff like that. We're just being idiots and we just love to talk about hockey with each other. So let us know what you think. If you agree with us, if you don't agree with us, if you think we should go rot in hell, we're all ears. So thank you everyone for listening. Um, we hope to be back with some more fun episodes coming up soon and hopefully the back half of the season goes well for them. So anyways, that's all Brian. Daniel, Justin, thank you very much for joining me this evening. Hopefully this episode gets aired soon. So we are able to kind of get this out before the next game starts. So it's all still nice and relevant. I'm Kurt Kielbach and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast.